This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, The Hartford, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and thanks for joining us. Well, today we're broadcasting from the Ringler Associates 2012 annual meeting in beautiful Newport Beach, California. And having come from the East Coast, I'd say I really appreciate this nice warm weather. Now, we like to say that Ringler Radio brings you the hottest topics and the most knowledgeable guests from the structured settlement industry. And you can find every Ringler Radio show on our website, ringlerassociates.com, and on the Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com. Well, today we're going to talk about a very interesting topic, very timely topic, and it's the professional administration of Medicare set-aside funds and Medicare set-aside trusts. And joining me today to help with the discussion is my Ringler friend and my Ringler colleague from Medford, New Jersey, Brian Fillion. Brian, welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you very much, Larry. Good to have you here. And we have two very special guests with us today. We have Sandra O'Sullivan, who is the president of Amitros Financial Corporation. Sandra, as a founder of Amitros Financial, started and led the launch of the CareGuard product, which we're going to speak about today. Her expertise in technology and automation has positioned CareGuard to transform the Medicare secondary payer compliance and post-settlement administration. So, uh, Sandra, welcome to the show, and I understand you're from Boston. So what do we say here this morning? We are saying go Patriots. Go Patriots. You know, these giants don't stand a chance, do they? Absolutely not. No, we're going to nope. kill, them. Gonna kill them. Brady's way too good. Absolutely. And also joining us is uh, Tom Ash. Tom is the chief executive officer of Amitros Financial. Prior to Amitros, Tom had spent two decades participating in and improving the workers' compensation managed care industry. And Tom, I hear you're from Anaheim, California. So you're not for the Patriots, are you? Well... I'm not opposed to the Patriots. Oh, see, I, th- that means that uh, Sandra has that, has that influence over you. That's a good thing. <laughs> that is very true. Okay, good. Well, Sandra and Tom, let's start by exploring Medicare set-asides uh, and the Medicare secondary payer statute. What's the role of a Medicare set-aside as part of that Medicare secondary payer statutory uh, provision? Well, let's take a look at uh, MSA administration. The uh, professional administration component under the MSA administration is to handle the funds post-settlement that the claimants are required to spend appropriately to uh, protect uh, their Medicare interests. And there are six things that the claimants are required to do uh, in order to do that. Uh, the first is to deposit the funds in an interest-bearing account that can't be commingled in their checking account. It needs to be a separate account. The second is to spend it only on things that are appropriate to the Medicare set-aside, so for the body parts and injuries that are covered in that set-aside. The third is it can only be spent on things that otherwise would be covered by CMS or Medicare, so medical issues that CMS would normally cover in their normal course of business. And then the next one is that the uh, funds must be applied to the appropriate fee schedule by the state jurisdiction or usual and customary in that specific state for the workers' compensation payments. 
The fifth one is that the uh, line item detail must be kept. Records, line item detail records must be kept and available for CMS upon their request. And the last one, which is the most critical for uh, the implementation of the program, is that they must report annually to CMS the funds that were available, how they were spent, and what's left in the funds uh, over the course of the time of the MSA. Well, I would assume that last point is, uh, is critical here because this reporting requirement kind of takes this whole process away from a self-administered kind of a fund and brings it more into the, uh, the bailiwick of folks like you who do professional administration. So tell us a little bit about what it is that, that most people don't really understand about this Medicare set-aside administration when they get into it. Uh, a lot of claimants decide or think that they're going to self-administer it, and obviously there are pitfalls to that. What do you say in those situations where somebody says, I want to do it myself? Uh, how, do you, how do you counsel that individual to say, you know, there may be a better way? Well, the, the first point is to talk about the consequences of not doing it appropriately. And the consequences of not doing it appropriately is that when you otherwise would be available for Medicaid or for uh, Medicare or for your uh, Medicare disability payments, they will be impacted adversely. In fact, Medicare denies the claimant that eligibility if they can't show that the money that was set aside to pay for that medical coverage in the interim until they were eligible for that or at least spend through that money before uh, Medicare becomes the primary payer, they will deny benefits. So the claimant ends up down the road without Medicare, and that's a significant impact. Brian, I think we've had cases, we've seen situations where claimants said, I want to do it myself, and you know, they did it, and then what happened with the funds? I mean, they, they, a lot of them were misspent, a lot of them were, uh, they dissipated the money, and then uh, right. were out of luck. And, and what we see is uh, three, four, five months after the settlement, the MSA funds were misspent, and now their Social Security disability benefits or retirement benefits have been cut because uh, of the penalties and not properly handling the MSA funds. And they're coming back to the plaintiff attorneys and, and plaintiff attorneys back to the defense attorneys to discuss how they're going to handle the situation because the plaintiffs feel that maybe they were not properly consulted and told what the ramifications were for misspending the money. Exactly. I think we're going to get into that, too, uh, a little bit, Sandra. What are, what are some of the benefits of professional administration to the claimant and the attorney and the insurer, some of those uh, critical uh, component folks in this process? Give it, Break that down a little bit for us. Well, the protection really is there for the claimant, as we talked about, to protect them from losing their benefits. However, the provider is then assured and their attorney is then assured that they won't get that phone call later right. um, and that the claimant completely understands what the obligations are and that they're complying with them. The case is completely closed in that case. They don't need to worry about phone calls after the fact. And in fact, you know, Brian mentioned that he gets those calls after the fact, so uh, it helps with that as well. We're the ones that get the phone calls. We make sure they're complying. So the insurers obviously uh, don't want to get those phone calls, uh, but I think the plaintiff attorney, the, the attorney representing that individual, is the one that is going to be looked to by them. Uh, why didn't you counsel me better? Why didn't you tell me this, even though you know they might have known and were fighting the process? Yeah, one of the solutions we've come up with on a lot of these cases is to even after the settlement, with post-settlement dollars, then set up the care guard because uh, um, the claimants have already dug a hole for themselves. If there's any money left, then we can structure it out 
or we can use the care guard product to protect the plaintiffs from themselves. And that's really what we're talking about. Interesting. What exactly uh, happens uh, if the health of the individual worsens and there's not enough money to pay for the, the treatment there. What, 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 what is the solution to that, as you've seen? Uh, Medicare actually will, if the, if the MSA fund is spent through, right. Medicare will then pick it up. Uh, and importantly, it's if the money's spent through and it's accounted for correctly, then Medicare will go ahead and pick it up. And I think what the important thing here is that um, the, the transition from of a properly spent MSA to be- Medicare and then back the following year um, when you come back into the MSA funds when it's refunded by a structured settlement annuity for right. the following year. Right. Um, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's not as easy as it seems. The paperwork needs to be filed correctly in timely fashion. And even if a plaintiff is trying to do it right himself, let's face it, Larry, a lot of the plaintiffs that we work with aren't the type that are accounting types and understand IRS forms and where to send all these documents to, and they're confused and things go in late. And so they wind up missing some of their Social Security disability or income payments. And it's only because of their inability to yeah. uh, understand the law and get the forms in on time. You know, it's not an easy process, uh, even though people want to maybe say it is. It's not an easy process to comply with all these forms and these these regulations. And the penalties for not doing it right are quite significant, as we've talked about just now. So, Tom, tell our listeners, what, what would it cost for someone like yourselves to, to do that administration on behalf of those folks? What would be, do you have like a setup cost uh, to, to set it all up? Yes, Larry, we do. We have an initial setup fee, which is transitioning the claimant from the carrier to us. We have personnel that they're assigned to that they can talk to and work through, and we give them a card uh, that they use to get all of their medical care without any copay or out-of-pocket expenses. And that transition one is a one-time setup fee of $1,500. I see. And, uh, no, I was just going to say uh, that on an annual basis, there's also a, an ongoing uh, fee for, for services? Yes, we work? charge $450 a year for the life of the MSA as long as it's administered on an annual basis. So $450. And that includes all of those uh, functions you talked about? Absolutely, all six things. The protective uh, process for the claimant. Yes. Larry, I've priced out using a structured settlement annuity, the uh, CareGuard product, mm-hmm. and using the most expensive scenario, which would be an 18-year-old, because you have to be 18 to qualify for Medicare. Right. Uh, the, the most expensive cost would be $15,000. So in other words, you take 15000 to fund an annuity that would p- take care of all the fees and expenses of CareGuard over the life of that individual. And that includes the upfront fees wow. as well. Wow. Yeah. So uh, if you're talk- especially when you're talking about some of the larger accounts, that's a very manageable amount, right. especially to avoid the disaster that could uh, take place. That's right. Especially when the uh, Claimant attorney gets that phone call and has to alert their errors and omissions carrier. <laughs> that's never that's never easy. Well, as professional administrators, uh, Sandra and uh, and Tom, how do you manage the fund? What well, tell me how you do that? How do you manage that fund as you go through time? Well, the fund is uh, deposited into a federally insured FDIC bank. Um, Who selects that bank? It, we use multiple banks because if it's over two hundred fifty thousand dollars, the FDIC only will. Uh, guarantee the fund up to uh, 250000 so we may use multiple banks. Uh, and so we use uh, Bank of America, Bank of Tampa, other regional banks. 
Um, and the, it's in that fund in the claimant's name. So it's not in our name. It's never commingled. It's an interest-bearing account. And the claimant can call the bank, get their uh, account balance. It's in their name. We then use this card system we have that's patent pending to process all of the payments against it. And so we draw down payments against that fund. And so all of those things are done, uh, in most cases, on a point-of-sale basis. So the medications that are appropriate are already preloaded on the card. So when the claimant shows up for prescriptions, the appropriate medications are dispensed. And if there's a medication that's not appropriate, we're notified and we contact the physician. All of that's handled in an automated process. And then in addition to that, we have personnel that are assigned to deal with the claimant with any questions they have or any issues that come up. We handle all of the appropriate CMS approval. Mm -hmm. We handle the fee schedule thing, which is a piece that the claimants can never do, is apply the 51 jurisdictional fee schedule components. Tom, how does the uh, claimant, how do the claimant medical providers that are out there, the doctors and et cetera, how do they uh, get alerted to send their bills to, to this process rather than to send them to the individual? A couple of ways. On the front end, in the setup process, we reach out to all the providers that the claimants are receiving care from, and we introduce ourselves, we, we explain to them that we're now the payer of record, mm -hmm. and we set that up. But independent of that, the card itself is a medical care card, not dissimilar to what you would carry in your pocket for whatever medical uh, coverage you have on, right. the, on the private insurance. So it has the proper bin numbers, the proper uh, points for these providers to to submit billing to us, including the um, electronic billing record with one of the largest clearinghouse claiming shops in the country, MDON. So all of that is handled at the point of sale. Super, super. Sandra, what's, uh, what's your experience with that managing and administrating uh, of that fund? Do you find that there are glitches that take place, or has it been a pretty smooth process for the folks that you've been doing it for? It's actually a really smooth process, particularly because it is uh, similar to a health insurance card. Mm -hmm. So people are already used to that process. All players are used to that process. The claimants are used to it. The providers are used to it. It's no different than what they do for any other uh, health insurance. Cool. Right. And uh, what I want to talk about now is I want to shift gears a little bit. Sure. Most of the structured, uh, the MSAs that we do are done in the form of a structured settlement, especially when they're large. And uh, one of the things this product absolutely protects against is when the claimants try to sell the structured settlement payments. By having the payee on these cases, a care guard account, the gray market cannot get a hold of this money. Oh, that's interesting. And so a lot of the situations that we get into, Larry, with the cases that we settle, these people are vulnerable to those types of uh, advertisements. and The factoring uh, kinds of companies. Fa factoring companies, yes. And, and this takes that control out of their hands that they don't have to worry about spending this money than being in a much worse situation later on when they lose all their government benefits because no of it. No question. That's, that's, a real, that's a real plus. We're going to take a quick break right now, and we'll come back in just a minute with much more from Sandra O'Sullivan and Tom Ash. We'll be right back. Ring the Radio is celebrating its seventh year right here on Legal Talk Network. Produced by broadcast professionals and hosted by Larry Cohen. There's a Ringler associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel. And to find the Ringler associate nearest you. 
Ringler Associates has innovative solutions for legal professionals. In cases involving the ever-changing Medicare compliance factors, we work closely with our clients to assist in the identification of claim settlements where Medicare consideration is recommended. Go to www.ringlermedicaresolutions.com for more information. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Think you might like to have us create your own podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com? Go to the website and send us an email. Or just give us a call at 781-551-9960. It's the best move you'll make in legal marketing. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter. LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. So, Sandra, what happens uh, when a claimant, you know, spends all of the money that's in the uh, Medicare set-aside fund prior to the next funding? So, for example, an annuity flows in at the beginning of the year. There's an amount of money. The bills come in from the various providers or the cards are used that you provide. And now these funds get dissipated and by July or August, it's it's gone. But now new bills come in for that year. What happens then? We monitor this very closely, Larry. Throughout the year, we apprise the claimant and Medicare when a claimant is um, approaching the exhaustion of the funds. And we also notify the providers when that actually occurs. And the reason for those notifications is so that uh, Medicare will pick up the coverage for the remainder of that year. We submit the accounting to them. The accounting's on an annual basis, but if they were run through the fund in six months, for example, we do the accounting right at that time, and so Medicare is notified that they'll pay the bills for the remainder of the year. We turn off the card. Um, that's one of the advantages of the card is we can simply turn it off, and then we turn it back on when the next annual funding comes in. So let's say in July that the funds have, have now run out, you've alerted Medicare that this is the case, and you have a doctor out there sending a bill into you in August, what do you do with that bill? Do you then send it on to Medicare? Yes, we will send it on to Medicare. And um, in general, the bill probably wouldn't come to us because the card is turned off. Okay. However, um, if it does get to us, then So you're responsible to make sure that that, that gets properly handled. So that's yes. one of the other benefits of uh, using your services there. And what happens if, uh, unfortunately, the individual dies in that process and there are funds remaining in that MSA account sitting there? What, 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 what do you do then, Tom? Um, it depends on whether the account is uh, set up with reversionary interest or not. We have reversionary language. It can be added to the settlement. And if that is added to the settlement, then the money would revert back to the payer. Mm-hmm. However, absent that, it would revert to the claimant's estate. So CMS allows it to go to either location. It's just a matter of how you set up the settlement. Interesting. And, uh, but none of this money can, will pass on to Medicare, per se, to take care of any lean kind of a process that might exist. No, and okay. th- that, that doesn't occur. What's important, though, in professional administration with, say, a reversionary interest trust, 
where the money goes back to the payer. Yes. If you don't have a professional administration on it, accounting for what money is available, where it is, how much is left and what it was spent for is impossible. With the professional administration, we at all times know where the money is, how much is interest has accrued against it, what's been spent out of it, and what's available for um, reversionary interest back to the payer. And the same with the claimant. The estate now has a clear, accurate record of what's available, where it is, how much was spent out of it. An absent professional administration, regardless of whether the money goes to the estate or back to the payer, it's unavailable. So how do you partner with the Ringler brokers? Well, one of the things that's really interesting in the partnership, and I'll, I'll go through that and then give you some of the advantages of the structure within this whole program, but sure. um, we partner with Ringler even on the front end of cases before they ever occur because we're on the panel of um, most major payers, and in some cases, we're the exclusive provider of major payers. And so we'll go out and meet with the Ringler staff in the geographic locations where those offices are and introduce them to our program. So if they're asked by that payer, hey, we'd like to put professional administration, we'd like to put Amitra's on, they know who we are, they're comfortable with us, they know how to talk to us, how to get started. So we do that in advance of anything occurring. If if it comes to the point where the where the uh, Ringler broker is working with us uh, that point or, or forward, we get engaged from the moment they let us know the case is there and we're there to answer questions for the, for the claimant, for the claimant's counsel, uh, for the adjuster, for anybody that needs to be involved who wants our information, we're there as an informational source, and we'll actually attend the settlement conferences if we're asked to. So we're engaged with them all the way through the process. The interesting thing that we found is that this entire bringing the structure and professional administration to the claimant early on has actually been used to bring cases to settlement that otherwise wouldn't be settled. Whereas many times we've had com conversations with claimants who have um, been unwilling to settle the claim because they were uncomfortable with how they would be handled. And because there was structure involved, they went on and actually settled the case, which is, we know helps everybody. And I want to bring up a case in point. Uh, I have a case next Wednesday I'm going up to New York City on. Good. And it's that exact situation where we have someone who's slightly brain damaged. My client would love to settle this case, but the plaintiff has been so worried about handling the MSA funds after settlement, he has said no. Well, his lawyer wants to settle, too. And so I've introduced the CareGuard product to the plaintiff attorney and said, uh, this not only will this be professionally managed and easy with the card that you give them, it's no longer the adversarial situation that they have with the claims department in litigation. CareGuard is on the plaintiff's side, and they're there to work and help them out. You don't have the litigation in the middle of this anymore. The claimant's working directly with them. And with that information, I'm confident that this case next week is going to settle. And that's peace of mind for the for the for all the people involved in that case. Yeah, and it's funny because my, my defendant clients uh, have been told by the original employer of this injured person that he was a great guy and to take care of him. And, uh, and this is a solution we've come up with. And that's one of the one of the problems with these uh, folks that are on this this workers' compensation process within the system that we know it today, is that the insurance carrier is always kind of looking over their shoulder. Or should they go back to work? Should they be not treating as much? And there's always that uh, element there. But once the case is settled, 
they can move on from that. And what they really need is the protection uh, for those funds to make sure they didn't they don't do it wrong, so they don't jeopardize their benefits. And that's what I think you guys have been talking about all day here. This is the product you have, and uh, and and this is what the services that you provide for these people. Anything else you'd like to add uh, about what Amitros has uh, been up to in the in the future? You got any plans on the table for any enhancements or any new ideas coming down the pike? Well, we besides the MSA trusts, we do all other medical management trust components. So we do uh, liability work as well. We do um, government trusts. Uh, we do special needs trust uh, medical applications for the MSA portion. So there's some other things that we're engaged in, both with uh, with Ringler and others that go beyond the MSA. Yeah, what I've seen in the marketplace is a, a rise in the need for the CareGuard product in the special needs trust arena. A lot of the litigation that we're involved in now, um, you, the special needs trusts need a subcomponent of management of the MSA within the trust. It gets confusing if, if the trustee has that money all mixed together. Using a structured settlement annuity to segment it out with the professional management of our care guard separates that money out and allows the other funds within the trust to be used in accordance with whatever the directives are of the special needs trust. Yeah, that's a very big point. You know, we're seeing more and more of that with the special needs trust yeah. trying to protect Medicaid's interest and all of that. And then you have the Medicare element. Uh, that That's the confusion and your help, I'm sure, is uh, very important. There. And, and very, very few banks, if any, in the United States have their trust departments currently set up to handle these issues. We handle we handle these cases, one in particular where the claimant is on four or five different trust structures. And so we'll look at the medical bills, we'll determine which one's appropriate, and we'll either apply the ones that are appropriate to the set-aside or we'll refer the ones that are appropriate to the other trusts back to those trustees. And they've, they allow us to do that because it helps them clarify where the bill should be applied. And one other thing for sure is that uh, when these trusts and funds are managed by either bank trust departments or even lawyers' trust departments, the cost element goes up quite substantially. So I think your fee structure uh, for, the, for our audience is uh, something that's quite attractive, I think, for them. Well, with that, I think we'll uh, close. Any, uh, any way that our folks can reach you if they want to, uh, if they want to talk to you? What, what, how do you uh, interact? Do you have a website? We do have a website. It's www.careguard.com. And we also uh, take email at info at careguard.com. Great. And uh, Brian, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Well, they could go to the regular website and look me up at my Medford location or Morristown, New Jersey. And do they see a picture of you when they do that? They see a very old picture, Larry. <laughs> I, noticed you, I noticed you haven't changed it in a few years. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> well, uh, anyone that wants to reach any Ringler Associate can do so at ringlerassociates.com. I do want to say that we've revamped and, uh, you know, uh, our new website, Brian, is fantastic. Uh, yeah. Anyone who wants to go and get some information, I think I, I urge you to do that. And, of course, if you want to listen to Ringler Radio shows, you go to ringlerassociates.com and click on the link or go to legaltalknetwork.com where you can find the shows as well. And you can actually listen to Sandra and Tom while you're uh, jogging around the park with your iPod. You know, you can put the, those little buds right in your ear. Sounds that, good to that me. That sounds cool. All right, Sandra and Tom, thanks again for joining us. 
Thank, Thank you very you. much, Larry. Brian, Brian, thanks for being my co-host. It's always a pleasure. It is great. And for all of you out there, all of our listeners, go out and have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, celebrating its seventh year on Legal Talk Network with over a million listeners. Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.